Hello, and welcome to the Make It Work podcast, a podcast about performers making their own work. I'm your host, Cluani Saunders. I'm an actor, a singer, and also I write and produce my own work sometimes. Now, as a performer in this industry, I find that we are constantly encouraged to make our own work. But exactly how do we do that? In this podcast, we are going to be taking a deep dive into the work of some performer makers in the theater scene in the UK and look at how they started, how they funded themselves, where they got their ideas, and much, much more. So join us, learn with us, and let's make it work. Now, my guest today is Sam Cochran. So Sam is the artistic director of Giggle Mug Theatre and the co-creator of their recent hits, Timson the Musical, which I was watching last night on YouTube. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Did your uh, homework. Did your homework for it? I did my well. homework. I, I did it's my homework. It's quite home- a long show, so <laughs> Yeah, no, job. I did, yeah. Um, Runesicle, which I watched at Edinburgh Fringe. And actually, I think I had a, you know, a small part in the show that day. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm intrigued to find out which which role you did along the way. I tried to hide and then you found me uh, very yeah. quickly. Great. Very Love quickly. <laughs> There's a little bit of an audience interaction in that uh, show. Yeah, quite a bit. Quite yeah. a bit. And then Scouts, the musical, which is premier, premiering mm-hmm. at the Other Palace this summer from 20th of June to the 9th of July. That's it. Yeah. Great. So that's all go, all go at the moment. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so we're starting, depending on when this goes out, um, at least right now, we're starting uh, rehearsals in a few weeks time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then we'll hit the ground running, hopefully, and, and do the show. Um, yeah, it's really nice. It's been uh, extended already um, by a week, which is cool. Um, it was just going to be two weeks. And um, yeah, the response was just really, really great. We didn't ex- we didn't expect it yeah. all, um, to be like what it was um we kind of had this idea that if we you know partnered with the scouts and they told scout groups and scout leaders about it or at least put it on their socials that they might come and watch Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's working which is nice because we didn't we just didn't know whether they would or not I feel like you have no no real concepts with especially with the shows that we've been making we don't really know whether the audiences that they are for all these different, um, because it seems to be a few different audiences. We've got kind of fringe theater, musical theater, improv, um, and then of course, whatever the show is about, because we take these IP, um, bits of IP and and turn a show um, from it. And uh, yeah, we didn't know whether the scouts would show up and it sounds like they are, which is really nice, yeah. So did you approach them with the idea fully formed and then they said, yeah, we're happy to back you on this or? Yeah, so that's the way it's worked for the three shows that you mentioned. Um, with with Timpson, it was, yeah, very, um, I think I just found James Timpson's email online, um, which is, yeah, I can't believe it was uh, available. Um, a lot of the time, you know, you have to do some digging, I think, with, with um, Runesical, with Jagex, who make the game RuneScape, and then with the... Uh, scouts it took a bit of searching and it's usually with linked with some sort of presentation they did once their email appears on screen or or like with their other line of work or something you've got to try and find their email that way um so i've had a bit of practice at it now mm. um just making the the contact and all all three times actually the the response was pretty immediate and pretty you know they were really interested um which is great i mean with timpson it was a case of james um james timpson i think he went to the fringe when he was younger and used to work there. So he knows the kind of some of the 
the people that currently run the venues there because they mm-hmm. kind of grew up together or they were friends before um and obviously was therefore up for the idea because he knew what it was um and with the uh, with runesicle um the guys at jagex i think i guess there's some sort of correlation between video games and you know fringe theater there seems to be a bit of a correlation in the audiences i think mm. um and and so they were equally up to it up for it because they'd been to the fringe as well uh with the scouts it was just a case of i think they just thought it sounded like a good idea or something that they could um help us out with and yeah and and here we are and so they did sponsor the shows i mean let's just i mean just in case anyone's (laughs) been living under a rock timson's is this shoe uh repairers and key cutter place that you'll find on most high streets i mean to be fair it's it's very uk centric timson i mean I, i don't think I, they've are planning to or have ventured out of the uk but it is they are the most famous brand of yeah shoe mending key cutting and i remember just thinking that was a very bizarre combination of things <laughs> and, and obviously worthy of a, a musical yeah um but yeah they they sponsored the show um which is i mean uh just mad to think really because at that point we hadn't done anything mm. they didn't really know what they were sponsoring fully because although we'd share clips and songs and things with them i don't think there's any real sense of what a show can be like or how it will be received until it's up on its feet Mm. you know um so we were very lucky that they yeah first sponsored i think i think it was like sort of half the costs of the edinburgh run and then sponsored the whole tour after that great um but every every company i mean this is sort of our our own um the thing that we do in giggle mug is sort of our signature thing is working with different organizations um but they all work completely differently mm. as well so timpson seemed to be a very the most kind of straightforward and um just a very successful kind of format because um i think because it's like a family-run business um despite it being huge mm-hmm. um and there being you know stores all over the place um it, surprisingly that it is still kind of run by one person or a group of people Mm -hmm. who um then you know entrust their stores with the owners of said stores and they can kind of do what they want in their uh, respective shops and that sort of thing um so that that's why it it worked for us to get in contact with them i guess and why they um seemingly were so open to it whereas it's a very different thing when you're working with a company like jagex um who make the game runescape because there's a lot of people involved Mm. um a lot of people have to sign off on things um and and for that reason we kind of developed the show as a parody musical mm-hmm. so as to not kind of step on any toes or anything and then we linked up with them post edinburgh oh okay great. so yeah which was really cool and it, it's one of those of I, I totally understand i think sometimes it was what well what i was saying before about you're not really getting a full sense of what a show could be like until it's on its feet mm-hmm. um they kind of waited for it to be and then when you know they saw the response they were happy to help out and yeah so that that's how those have worked and then with scouts it's um they're a charity so they're not helping us um they can't help us kind of financially but they honestly the the fact that they can shout about it on their socials has mm-hmm. made up for that so like honestly it's it's great that's the fact that we're selling all these tickets so early on while we extended the run is is mostly due to um yeah their support in that way at least at, at this point because yeah um you know the nature of 
I think uh, we were saying this downstairs, but this idea that I think musical theatre fans, or at least from my experience, are booking tickets nearer the time. Like, I would do the exact same. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas scout groups and leaders are booking in advance because they want to, well, they're prepared, be prepared. That's their, <laughs> their thing, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a really cool little um, balance, I think. Yeah. And so did you, when you were coming up with your ideas, is there kind of a, okay, and we could link that to Timpsons, or do you have loads of ideas and you <laughs> apply to different people and see who is interested in taking them on? Or So, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's interesting. Those first three were very much just the ideas themselves, I always thought. I mean, I think someone pointed out to me that Timpson was the best example or the only kind of chain of a shoe mending key cutting business <laughs> obviously there's not many of them um and but we definitely didn't go into it thinking that we could get sponsorship at all oh. um that was something that we kind of learned along the way and mm. then it then it sort of dawned on us that okay we could we could fund our shows in a very different kind of practical way than other people other groups would other theater groups would um and so i think it was a case of i knew i wanted to make a fantasy show and I knew I wanted to make a video game show and a multi-pathway show and so I think it was I wanted to find something that was kind of as niche as Timpson but also had the same level of recognition or at least because that's on a on a global scale but probably uh, I don't know a lot less people um in the UK might have heard of it but globally it it definitely makes up for that if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um so and then and then the scouts. I mean, everyone knows the scouts. I just always wanted to write a musical about it. I, I was kind of surprised that it hadn't been done really. So I thought, yeah, this is the time to do it. Yeah. And um, with the scout musical, did you? I know. I believe you took Timson to the other palace as well. Yeah, for one show, our first ever kind of public performance. So it's quite nice now that we're. This is our fifth kind of anniversary year, I guess, um, and it will almost be five years since that show that we're performing scouts for a full run um, yeah. so it's quite a nice kind of um you know circular thing going on yeah and so i mean we i don't usually dive in with the funding <laughs> but we kind of have so so in terms of funding you're you're doing that and then did you get any other form of funding or are you self-funding yeah i mean yeah i don't know how much i am actually allowed to say about uh, other uh, organizations that you know the shows are based on mm-hmm. but certainly I think it's one that we'd often try and raise funds from doing other shows and hope mm-hmm. hoping that they can kind of um, at least go towards uh, you know future productions so we've also got uh, the bean spillers an improvised musical which is um, fantastic which is fantastic <laughs> and uh, everyone should go see it I think it's great <laughs> I've seen you. it twice already I oh, really which always what, different out of curiosity which um, shows which do you remember what the gossip was uh, oh the, I remember the most recent one which was the yellow kettle oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh that is our most recent show that's the last yeah, one yeah so the yellow kettle somebody threw it away I think it was that they yeah someone had a kettle that was really rubbish and horrible and mm-hmm. lime scaly and yes. gross and their flatmate just threw it away one day despite it being like their favorite kettle Ugh. and so I think they got a new kettle as well and it was um I think they fell out over it was the that was the gossip a great crux great kind of start to a story so yeah like you said what we do is we take a bit of gossip and then turn it into a one act um full kind of improvised musical um and and yeah so the nice thing about that show as well is that 
it doesn't really have a sell-by date, I suppose, like mm. some fringe theatre does and like our other shows. So Timpson and Runesicle, I think we kind of knew they could only, you know, uh, perform or be, be staged for so long. Um, whereas the the great thing about an improvised musical is that you can, you know, just do it for forever. Mm. <laughs> I guess. Um, mm. For as long as there's gossip, we'll be making shows about it. Um, and the nice thing is that we've kind of built up a bit of an audience um, for those shows now, which means that, yeah, when, if we can sell out um, a performance, then we can put funds towards other things. So yeah, that definitely was a, a good sort of formula for when Alex and I, Alex Prescott, who I, uh, who is my fellow bean spiller, and um, I co-wrote Runesicle with, it was a good sort of strategy that we had, at least to get up to the fringe. In terms of your roles in these projects, can you take us through that? Because I, yeah. I'm always aware when people are making their own theater, they're usually taking on five million jobs. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about your roles? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the main, usually the main four are, I think the classic ones really, it's the producing, the writing, the acting, the directing. Um, oh, just four then. <laughs> just the four. <laughs> but then you also end up, and this is sort of one of those things that I'm, so used to doing now and I think that is is quite a good um I don't know mindset to have at least I'd say it's good I don't know mm. I don't know if it actually is but I I think you end up doing so many other jobs that you don't expect to do because you've kind of got to um I think I yeah I, uh, editing um graphic design things that like uh, set design or costume design things that you you just don't think you'd ever be mm. you know would be um something that you could do and it's great in a way because you just learn to develop all these different skills and going into a new show off the back of it you have a I don't know a much better understanding of it going into it or at least from a budgeting perspective as well but as far as you know producing goes I never imagined it would be something that I would do at all um until it sort of just happened when we were doing Timpson and it made sense and then I realized that I could kind of do it um and once you've you know toured one show you 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 know how to do it from there mm. um but yeah those are the main ones I don't think I'm always first always a writer acting is generally because it's fun which is great I love doing it but mm -hmm. it's is also to cut down on costs as well a lot of this is is budget related <laughs> I realize um uh it's it's just the nature of it I think is that you know if you have yourself in a production then that is one less person that you have to worry about or organize scheduling or mm. there are so many kind of different elements to that um and so yeah I don't think I think I, I love the act I love the acting I mean it was the thing that I did first before anything else really um and it, that's why yeah I'd say it's sort of the second and then um directing I really enjoy but I hadn't didn't really have any experience before Timpson doing it um, and I do like doing it. I think it's just very difficult doing both acting and directing as a really weird combo. Um, it's been, it's worked quite well with Runesicle where Alex and I were both acting and directing because it meant that at least mm -hmm. we could direct each other, yeah. which makes it more uh, feasible. But I'm looking forward to Scouts where I'm not acting. We've got six actors and I can just direct. <laughs> So how did you how did you come by your collaborators? Because I know you work with Alex and you've mm -hmm. worked with him on 
Marine School, and he's not involved in scouts, is he? No, no, but um, yeah, we were involved in, or are involved in the Bean Spillers together, yeah. and he was in Timpson as an actor as mm-hmm. well. So the re- I mean, we've known each other since we were babies, yeah. which is handy. Um, we've obviously been friends for that long. Um, and I think it, I mean, I don't know whether it is coincidence that we both followed very similar career paths or is the fact that he's a few years older than me and I, he was doing it and I thought it looked cool. So I'm, yeah. I'm very possible that that was the way it happened. Um, but yeah, so we've known each other for a, a long time and he got involved um, over the, when we started touring Timpson. Um, I think with with Scouts, it was a case of, I was looking for a composer and some friends put me in touch with David Fallon, who's just a, yeah, brilliant. He's so good at writing kind of catchy pop songs. And mm. we've got this style in Scouts, which he's coined as like campfire pop MT sort of thing, um, which is just really, it's just really nice to have kind of a very signature style running all the way through it. Um, and he's cracking. And yeah, that was purely just through uh, friends um, mm. and friends of friends and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I feel like generally now it's sort of um, through other people, I'd say, or through the different networks. Certainly with the Bean Spillers, we get a different guest improviser every show. And that really has been from, I don't know, I think just meeting one person from, say, Showstopper, and they might know someone from mm-hmm. Mischief, and that person from Mischief might know someone from like Ostentatious or something. And, and it's slowly like just, it's, it's all, I mean, as you know as well, the improv world. Is, is sort of a bizarre kind of networky, culty thing. Yeah. <laughs> which um, everyone seems to know everyone. Yeah. And having some great collaborators like um, Jordan Clark, who is our, what was our first pianist and, and comes back now and then. And who is also amazing. Also amazing. <laughs> and a friend of mine. <laughs> oh, great. So yeah. Sweet. yeah he, I mean, he's, he's uh, such a talented guy and he knows everyone. Yeah. Um, Jules, our improv lighting designer, um seems to know everyone as well i think it's it, mm. a lot of the time it is just really handy having some people develop a show with you who are really invested in the show and can vouch for you mm-hmm. as a person um and the show in general when they're recommending you to other people because obviously you don't want to you never want to feel like you have to recommend someone if you don't necessarily believe that you should be yeah um so i think it's a lot of that is just purely through I don't know, just just meeting people on the scene, on the circuit, and um, generally just reaching out. I think, to be honest, like the 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 biggest takeaway for me, I'd say, is just the fact that it's you generally just have nothing to lose by asking. And I think, really, I mean, like it must be like ninety percent of the people that we've asked to be involved in Bean Spillers have said yes, and and it doesn't affect you at all if if someone says no like it just doesn't matter um so yeah i think that's uh, just putting yourself out there and just asking because you have very little to lose i'd say generally and if 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 they do say no then at least you've made contact for something else down the line you know yeah absolutely i feel like that might be advice for all theater makers in general yeah totally i think also if you just admire someone's work in any respect i think just reaching out is yeah mm-hmm. why, why would you not provided you can find a um a, a way of contacting them which i mean as i've proven from searching the web for timpson emails or people who work at jaggers or whatever like you could always you can always find a way um it definitely helps if you've got a mutual friend but yeah mm-hmm. i think generally speaking people are kind of happy to help 
Mm. And so you you are an improviser. Obviously, that's you know one of your shows. Uh, you do an improvised musical. Um, so when you're writing, how much does the improv influence your writing? Do you write like? Do you talk to yourself? <laughs> how do you how do you yeah, get sure. writing? Well, I think it it's really interesting you say that actually because it was the the whole so giggle mug kind of started from improv in the the four guys who we kind of we wrote timpson together we were all in an improv musical at uni um that's how we met and i think that's how we developed this style of um everything i don't know there's this nature and I, i say this all the time because i think it's just quite a good way of describing what we do um in in musicals in general on on the west end or broadway or whatever everything is kind of said in a very specific way i think a lot of the time um in comedy shows like jokes are said in the same way gags are kind of hit the same notes and that sort of thing and we love this idea that we could have a script a scripted show with the energy of a improvised one you Mm. know um and i think that's that's sort of the mindset we went into timpson with the fact that you could um I don't know someone you could have some sort of interaction with an audience member that's not at all planned and mm. then it is a reference throughout the rest of the show and you can change the script and you can make each other laugh and I think people have kind of picked up on the fact that we love to do that and um and make it so that the actors on stage are having as good a time as the audience is as well so I think that is yeah mm. that's sort of how improv started everything for us and and, and we've continued that style into Runesicle and will into Scouts as well. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking of a clip of of the show I watched last night, Timson, yeah. um, with the with the dog, the little dog. Uh-huh. And uh, I think yeah. Alex was definitely trying Quite to make his, his fellow actor <laughs> laugh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, when you do that so many times, it's quite hard to do it a different way. So yeah. <laughs> like, you'll find a way. Yeah. Like That's the thing. I think it just setting that as a target because audiences love it as well. Audiences love when um, actors on stage, or if you make mistakes as well, we always just like, I don't think that's ever been an issue so much for us because we, we do it every show and because it, it's just human, you know? Mm. And rather than, I don't know, it, it obviously depends what it is, but I think rather than brushing over it, sometimes it can be quite fun to <laughs> comment on it or have someone else comment on it. I mean, I went to Warwick Uni okay. and did history, um, ah. but the Musical Theatre Society was uh, where I made most of my friends and then where Gigglemug started and that sort of oh, thing. Okay. Um, and lots of great, I mean, loads of really talented people like Rob Madge have, have come out of, um, yeah, Warwick doing the MTW um the the musical theater society there yeah okay great and so what was the thing that you made you kind of was there a thing (laughs) that made you kind of go right this is enough I'm gonna make my own things or was it kind of quite organic yeah I think it was um probably the fact I mean I've always hated auditions and I also hate that I don't know there's that, that people can do have the power often just to flat out say no and to stop the creative process and that sort of thing especially from an acting perspective I think that must be where you see it the most um and so off the back of that I I kind of and this must be the reason why most people make their own stuff is just I just thought well why why don't I just set up a theatre company and 
um, make the stuff that I really want to see because I'm sure I'm not alone in mm. that. I'm sure other people want to see it as well. Um, and to and and to go about it like that and develop a, a sort of an audience and a following and um, keep making shows. And yeah, I think that was probably the, the mindset of it. Mm. I think so many actors will relate to that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's. I think it's. it must be the advice that is heard most now, but I think just doing it yourself a lot of the time although it's and it is it's hard in many respects but equally if you surround yourself with talented people um I definitely didn't know how to write a musical when I first started writing one but I had three people also in a similar position and we kind of together managed to find a way and you learn so much from doing a show the first time and I think also just the importance of it's so important just to get stuff out there because it is so that I think that could be really scary. The idea of like the the first time you present your own work to someone, mm. I think if you can do it as quickly and as painlessly as possible, um, whoever it is in front of, even if it's small, you know, pub theater or something, it's, it's so much easier beyond that point because once you've done one thing, then you can do anything really. Yeah. Yeah. And so was, was Rob Madge one of the people you wrote Timson with? No, no. So they, but they were in the original, the Edinburgh run that we did, and then in the filmed version. The oh yes, one that seen. I watched. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and and so there were lots of different, just really talented, lots of people who are doing musical theatre now, but none of them studied it. They all did it um, as part of a society mm. at uni. I think I always, I don't really know what I think. I definitely remember at the start of school, I was always thinking, oh, I've really got to try for drama school or something like that. That's the that's the obvious way into it. But I also knew I wanted to be a writer. And I, I kind of knew from doing a few writing courses that I didn't like necessarily how it is taught, um, script writing and that sort of thing. Um, so the thing that made the most sense was just to go to uni and do it as a, like a thing on the side. Um, and also because I'm too lazy to do drama school I feel like I I honestly don't know how people do those days on their feet um it sounds uh, relentless and um so yeah that's that's also part of the reason I imagine unrelated to giggle mug and mm-hmm. the other side of things I sort of over lockdown I um developed uh or I wrote a series and then very quickly got very lucky in that um an agent sort of took it on board and and said yes um and then a production company said yes and then a channel said yes and it was sort of a very quick year of Mm. yeses followed by a very slow year of nothing and it's a very I mean it's a very up and down um sort of industry pace wise at least um but yeah I think I don't know I think I just knew that I wanted to I think I just wanted to learn from doing and I and and it's probably the same with the acting side of things as well I felt like i just learned so much more that way than someone telling me you know how how something should be written or or how to act I guess Mm. Um, and I'm not saying that uh, you know I'm sure I probably would have been a better actor had I um, gone to drama school but I think it's I I think I'm a much happier person for not and I think that the work that we're developing is the way it is because of the different pathways that people involved have taken as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I went and saw Operation Mincemeat recently yeah, and I amazing. noticed that all 
almost all of them in their bios said, well, I say that, but I think a few of them said in their bios, <laughs> uh, you know, strongly against train, refuses to be trained really, sort yeah. of thing. And I thought that was lovely because we all come at it differently. Mm. There's a million incredibly talented actors I know that never trained. And then there's wonderful ones that I, that had did the drama school and did every course are yeah. always out there. And, you know, it's That's not a right way. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think it was quite daunting that the idea that if you go to drama school, obviously there is a lot of pressure whilst you're there to get an agent and then the agent sets you up with your gigs and your, your auditions and that sort of thing. But there's still, it's what I was saying before, what we were talking about when it was this idea of sort of <laughs> letting people have the opportunity to say no to mm. you professionally. Like, I think if you're making your own stuff, then the only person saying no is you. Mm. And you can kind of, as if you have an idea that you do think is gonna work, um, then there's nothing sort of standing in your way from stopping you from, from actually doing it apart from the financial side, um, yeah. which you yeah, have to work out yourself. Um, but yeah, I think that was part of the idea of it mm. as well, the, at least the reason that I went about it this way, yeah. Yeah, and so how has making your own work, if you were gonna sort of analyze it, how has it changed the game for you? Like how have you found the industry has changed now that you are someone who makes and creates work and jobs for other people and, you know. Yeah, um, I think, I, I don't think I'd go back to any other way of doing it, at least as far as theater goes. I mean, not to say, I mean, I, I guess I'd love to be in something else. Yes. If the phone uh, rings, not you're not gonna in. be like, yeah, no. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but as far as, um, yeah, as far as theater at the moment goes, I feel like we've just got a system that works really well, um, but, it is purely, you know, it is a pure, purely personal experience and, and it doesn't mean that it's uh, definitive or, or right or, you know, the, the, there's no there's no correct way of doing it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, I, I can't really imagine it. I think with, so the TV side of things that I've been doing for the past couple of years, that um, is what my, for example, my agent is um specifically for tv so the theater side of things i kind of realized i didn't need an agent for um and so i she specifically she's amazing um and she handles all of the tv stuff because i'd have no idea of who to get in touch with about that i think that's because they're so inherently different formats theater you can put stuff on yourself tv i just it's so much harder to mm. to there's so much that you just don't know or you don't think about um, and it's one of those that you can't really do yourself or at least you can't um, like platform it yourself, mm. you know, whereas you can reach out to a theater. Um, so I think as far as, you know, I think I, I'm sort of exploring both worlds really where um, I sort of rely very heavily on um, other people to do all of the producing and production side as far as TV goes. And then in theater, it's kind of, it is sort of down mm. to you and I, as it stands, I like that how both of those are panning out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I presume you were writing for a theater first. Yeah. 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 So, um, in my second year at uni was when we went up to the fringe the first time with Timson. Mm. Um, and then touring it in my third year of uni. So I wasn't really around much <laughs> at uni. Um, but yeah, that was the, the first way. And then I always wanted to, write for tv like that was always kind of actually that was always my dream and really 
initially was why I got into theater was so I could hopefully maybe do TV at some mm. point or it might be, I just saw an opportunity to make stuff now, mm. like actually make stuff rather than, you know, you just have no idea what the, the time frame is going to be like um, as far as TV goes. But then over the first lockdown, um, when I had a chance to write for TV and that sort of thing, um, it was, yeah, I could, I could start thinking about, oh, this might not get made for however many years, mm. but I've, I've got however many years mm. right now because I don't know how long this, um, the lockdown's going to go on for. So yeah, that was, yeah, so it was definitely theatre first. But I mean, hey, if you can do TV first, then do it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, yeah. I've learned a lot from both experiences. But when, I mean, I guess I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just no. interested to know, do you feel like you gained confidence or anything that kind of then meant, okay, now I feel like I can write anything. I'm, I'm... Yeah, I think that, what, from the theatre side of things? From the theatre side of things. Yeah, and I remember when, uh, yeah, I, I really I really did. Maybe too much. I think, <laughs> like, I, I definitely went into writing for TV. And um, obviously with theatre, you're sort of, you've got your collaborators and there is a, a certain amount of, um, you know, adapting, changing, uh, sending ideas to each other and agreeing and disagreeing mm. and that sort of thing. And you develop something that way. Um and you do that TV with TV, but on a bigger scale in the sense that, you know, you might write a whole script and then you send it to the production company and they change everything, <laughs> give you notes to change everything. You change it all and then you keep going back and forth and then they share it with a channel and then it happens again. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, sort of, it seemingly, definitely at the time, it's, it kind of feels like it can go on for forever. I, I think when I first went into TV, I definitely had the mindset of like, Oh no, we can't. We can't change this. This is the this is the best bit about the, even if it was something really small. I think it, I was in a mindset of I'm so used to the theatre world of, you know, uh, you do collaborate obviously on on the different aspects of of a show, but it's um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think there's the same necessity to change things that there is in the TV world. Um, and I very quickly learnt um, just I think. It, in contrast of that kind of couple of years that I've been involved in the TV side of things or with a production company and with a channel, you, you just get used to changing anything. And now genuinely, whatever it is, even if it's like the name of the TV show that you've been imagining for how many years being that TV show, if they were like, change it. Yeah. You just, you do. just do it. Which I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a, a good, I don't know if there's a right or a wrong. I think really it's about balance. Like you've got to always take the notes, always like, you know, take on advice, especially when people do have more experience than you. But equally, you've got to fight your corner and believe that, you know, you have written something or made something in a specific way for a reason. And mm -hmm. you've got to trust yourself just because you're, you know, you haven't had specific training or you're young doesn't mean that it's not a, your opinion isn't valid you know mm. it definitely is so it's yeah it's definitely been a, a real crash course the past well first the 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 kind of like first few years of theater and then now these first few years of tv for me is definitely i've just learned a lot about it i admire it hugely i really do because i would say um there are so many people probably listening as well that have great ideas and they're not doing anything with them. Mm -hmm. 
I can say this because I think I'm probably sometimes one of them. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, the so how so what makes you different? I guess is my <laughs> is my thing. Like what what do you think um, has sort of driven you to get to that finish line? So I genuinely think it is. I, I know so many people who come up with great ideas for things, and it and obviously the it's at its most fun when it's an idea or when the planning stage is the best bit. It's it can be short sometimes, but when you're like planning out a story, it's it's so much fun. I think in comparison, the slog is the writing and and you hit walls and it is you know it it can be exhausting sometimes like draining probably mm. draining but i think I, I honestly think the the difference between someone actually making something and um you know not getting past the idea and it sounds really obvious now that i'm saying it is actually just writing it and specifically finishing it because i know so many people who just don't like finish things if you finish it then it's then you're done. You can send it out. You can do whatever you want with it. But it's, it's yeah, you, there's definitely some procrastination and that sort of thing before you get to that point, um, I'd say. And I totally get it. I think it, it was handy, you know, writing with different people on theatre productions because you could definitely motivate each other. I remember Alex and I, when we were writing Runesicle, we had a, re I think it was like, I think we were trying to write it in like three months um for at because at the time it was pre-covid and we were sort of uh chatting to jagex who make the game about you know deadlines and that sort of thing um so we thought there was this this real necessity to get it done in, in a really <clears throat> short amount of time and um yeah and and we we did we wrote it in kind of three months um and i and he it was a case of like we'd meet each other twice a week maybe he'd come around mine i'd make food um <laughs> he'd you know make the journey over um and we'd say okay we're gonna write a song today and that sort of thing mm. and we just kept doing that and i mean I, I don't know i don't know whether the the show is better or not for it for us doing that but it definitely got it done you know yeah. which is i think yeah you you can do it i think having collaborators who can remind you or help you to get these different aspects actually finished is is probably a big help in that for sure mm. so yeah. deadlines and collaborators yeah i think so um even if it's not even if you don't want to necessarily write a story with someone else if you have someone on board or someone in mind who i don't know you want to direct it or or you want to be in it um or or something like that then at least that's another person's involvement. And if you can uh, make some agreements on, you know, I need to get this done by this point. Also, if you, you know, if you actually book a venue for mm. it, then that is gonna, you know, put some fire under you. Could you tell me about a time that you've found a challenge or a roadblock or something in your way um, in your process of making a musical or any show really? <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> I'd I'd say honestly that you I think it's there's a case of you've really got to prepare for so much could go wrong and does go wrong <laughs> all the time. Um, it, it's it's useful having you know experience in it or at least knowing how to deal with it. Um, but you know if you've got people around you who can be proactive and share their ideas or thoughts and and get a plan of action together, then that's all you need you can really just face any challenge I think 
even if I'm working on a show or something by myself specifically, I think I've got enough people around me, not necessarily creative actually, mm. even family or friends, you know, that you can talk to about the issue. And even as just like a sounding board, I think, just so you can then bounce back is, yeah, so important, mm. I'd say. So when you come up against those roadblocks, lean on those people. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's so, um, because they're, they'd be happy to, and also knowing that you would do the same for them, um, I think is totally the thing that helps you get through all of those challenges. I can think of, there's so many different, or if someone's unwell for a show and they can't go on. Mm. Um, although I think, touch, I really want to touch wood now. But they, <laughs> that, that, you know, it hasn't happened to us so far. I mean, um, yeah, I think it, it's, it's one of those that you really, you, you just, you, it is the ultimate test of yourself as a creative because you just thinking you're on your feet and trying to find solutions to problems that you wouldn't necessarily have ever thought of, mm. I think is, uh, that's, yeah, you really learn who you are at mm. that point as in the arts, I guess. Yeah. And have you had any like mentors or people in the industry that have kind of really guided or helped you in any of your processes? I, th I think maybe in its um, original sense uh, as a mentor, I'd say someone like Paul Taylor Mills, who runs the turbine and the other palace has mm -hmm. definitely, I remember he reached out over, over like lockdown three, maybe in mm. 2021, I think. Um, very out of the blue, just saying that he wanted to, he'd seen some of our stuff online and wanted to help in any capacity um, and has been a really good point of reference. I mean, some, obviously he has just got so much experience mm. and, and has um, achieved so much, but being able to kind of come to him with any questions, anything at all really um, that might be relevant has been really useful. I think you get a lot of, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of people have been involved in a kind of in in a in a in a mentorship sense with the company, but um I don't know if they'd ever refer to themselves as that. Like I could think of people who have um for example like Justin Brett from Showstopper who we um I wrote a podcast called Archageddon about the archers if it was in the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> And uh, he was involved in that. I think I met him through Sue Harrison, also from Showstopper, and and she was in Timpson. And it's sort of like a, you know, it's that thing we were mm. talking about earlier. If someone knows someone and you eventually meet these different people. But Justin was great for um, the bean spillers when we were starting out. And we didn't really, I don't think we fully knew what we wanted the show to be. Um, and I remember he just gave up some time to be in the rehearsal room and, and it was such an interesting, we learned so much. And he was also our first ever guest as well. Um, and I remember we just learned so much in that room um, about about improvising, I guess. Mm. Um, and that's really just thanks to the fact that he was up for just coming in for an afternoon and yeah. helping us out. Um, yeah, it's, it's things like that. I feel like there's been a lot of, mainly a lot of people involved who have just given up their time and helped us mm. in some capacity but I don't think I don't think they necessarily refer to themselves as a mentor but I think it is sort of that yeah, yeah. amazing so I think um you have taken Timson and you took uh RuneSchool. I don't know if you're going to take Scouts but you're you've taken all your shows to Edinburgh so mm -hmm. far your stage shows yeah. um and I think for a lot of people that's kind of a goal 
Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, do you think that's really important for artists making their own work? Um, it's, I think it's a, there's a balance really, because it's a, it's a tricky one to say, just go and do, because it isn't, it's not a particularly accessible, um, thing is obviously the reputation it's got is sort of unparalleled really. I think the reason it is, it was so good for us or it has been so good, um, to us is that you can get more publicity, um, and press on a show there than you ever really could um outside of it in the uk i'd say Mm -hmm. it's such a bizarre thing that for example like um the amount of reviews we got for the bean spillers over a year was the same that we got for rune school in edinburgh for a month you know there is such a um saturated thing up there and if you can find your um gaps in the market as well i think for us it was very much the if you compare the play the size of the amount of plays that are in the fringe catalog to the amount of musicals it was sort of a no-brainer that I mean I always wanted to do musicals but it just (laughs) helped out the fact that there was there were less shows on Mm -hmm. um which is no doubt you know why our stuff was picked up more um I don't think it's yeah I definitely don't think it's the be all and end all uh, at all um but it's it is it has got this thing about it that makes people always just want to keep going back and keep um you know presenting shows there because i think there's there is that history of it and um yeah i I think it's just that people want to discover something at the fringe um both in a sense of yeah you know like the the press or producers uh but also audiences want to be the first person to you know Mm. see something um I don't think it's the, yeah, I don't, I don't think it is a necessity at all, but I think you, the, the benefits, you really are sort of, um, paying for those benefits in the amount of effort it takes to get up there. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, we, we I can't see us going with scouts cause I think scouts were trying to do something a little bit different in that it's more of a, hopefully more of a kind of commercial hitting <laughs> show than our fringe shows like uh Runtical and Timpson um but I yeah I'm there's something that I'm working on at the moment which I would love to take next year would be the plan um if if everything aligns but again that is the nature of it and then and then I don't know I don't know if I'd I'm quite happy to call it there as far as like um as far as fringes go I think it is such a it's an amazing thing. It is so draining. Mm. And it is one, like, I love it. And I love going back to Edinburgh. I think it's an amazing place. And it is, there is nothing else like it in the world. Um, but it's also one of those of like, you know, yeah, it is quite exhausting. Mm. And um, you want to find a point where you don't, I don't know if it's a need to, but more of like a, you don't have to, like you can, you can do so many shows there and then be like, okay, I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've done it now. Um but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, you never know yeah. how it's going to pan out, I guess. But you haven't done it small. I mean, a lot of people take a one hander. <laughs> yeah. They take their, they take themselves and, you know, they sleep on people's floors for a month. You guys had a cast, I think for Timson's it was four or five. Uh, well, Timson was technically, I mean, there were six in the six. cast, but then there were three in the band. Um, we've all, and we did that the whole time. And the reason that we did that as well is because we hadn't done it before. So we are sort of like, um, 
I don't know, a, a medium sized show is the hardest. I think a lot of people say is the hardest to tour because, or, or just take anywhere mm-hmm. or stage really, because it's such a awkwardly sized thing. Um, it's, it's often too big for some venues and too small for others. Um, and having that amount of people is just, you just, you know, it is, it is, um, quite excessive, but it, it made the, it made the show what it was and maybe was part of the reason why that show in particular stood out. Um, but the same for us, like having that massive set as well, like mm. these things we would just not, we just probably wouldn't do now. I'm so glad we did. But it's you. As soon as you do it, you're like, "Oh, that's why you don't do it because it's <laughs> it's for these reasons um, and that sort of thing." Yeah, I think. Uh, but they're also like, you know, the the shows that I like the most are the ones where it's a busier stage and um, there's more people involved, and I think you can have more fun with more people naturally. Mm. Um, so I think that's why we'll probably always do them like this um, because really they're the shows that we want to see. I don't think. There were definitely times when, you know, Alex and I thought, oh, we could just maybe, maybe Runtical should just be like a two-hander or something. Mm. But it's not, it's not the show and it's not no. the show that we want to see or make. Um, so you do, you put yourself through those challenges for the outcome, I guess. Yeah. So what, um, in terms of taking a show to the fringe, what do you think your average person should budget? Like maybe for take taking their first show to the fringe. Oh man, I don't even, I don't even, I don't know. If, well, I, I don't want to say how much shows have cost for us because I don't want to put people off it. No, no, um, absolutely. Uh, because I also don't think, I don't think a show necessarily needs to be however expensive. Yeah. I think really what it comes down to and what you'll have to look out for is the cost of accommodation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can find, if you know someone who's, mm. who it like, it literally will save you so much money if mm-hmm. there is someone you know. We never have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully one day, maybe I'll just move. Um, that's, that's one big thing. Your, the theater hire is the other big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those two together. And then obviously paying your cast and creatives a lot of the time, you know, Alex and I, for example, wouldn't pay ourselves for something until way after, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a sad truth. And I don't think it, it is necessarily good or right or should be how it is. Um, I think with at least with our shows there was always a mindset of you know if we want to do this in a specific way then we're we're always going to do more work and get less at least less financially from it than other people involved until hopefully further down the line it's is that weird kind of mindset but you know there there are ways there are so many ways around it there are so many loopholes you can find and you know if for example it's a one person show and you're in charge of it and mm-hmm. you know you're, you're you're cutting costs there immediately um if you've got someone to stay with great um there's obviously all the like costume and prop hire and fees and all sorts but again there are things you know you learn how to make stuff yourself mm. as well which again is another skill that you just didn't think you'd use so yeah i'd say but i'd say like if to at least encourage anyone to do it, like it is for all its faults, it is um, an amazing experience, I think. And and I definitely would never have thought that I could produce anything before I did start doing it as mm. well. So I, I do feel like in that sense, you know, you, you can, you can, you definitely can do it. If I can do it, if I can produce something, like, yeah, sure as hell you can. 
if you had to give one piece of advice to the person who's sitting on that great idea, what what would it be if they, they want to produce their first show? I think it's a case of uh, literally doing it. Just do it. Um, it's yeah. I think you you've got to you've just got to set yourself a schedule, or at least find uh, surround yourself with people who can help you do it, or at least remind you to do it. Mm -hmm. Setting yourself like a schedule, or um, I don't know something something like that, something like routine um, and and fixed that you can just rely on in order to get it done. I think it's just so yeah that's what it comes down to a lot yeah. of the time and just just finish it just finish it basically I think that is it that's my advice as soon as you finished it as soon as you put it on somewhere then it's out there you've done your first thing that you know you didn't think you could do or suddenly that that idea of putting on your own work is oh that 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 fear is gone because you've done it mm. so just do it and then and then beyond that point it should hypothetically always be slightly easier to do the next one. Yeah. You know? And I think we all have this expectation that the first one we make is going to land us, you know, at the Olivier's, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that, it doesn't, I, you know, even the success stories, I don't think it was ever their first thing. Um, and I, it doesn't, it also doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how long it, it shouldn't matter how long it takes you or, you know, it's, it's obviously not healthy to kind of compare yourself to other people or how how they've how quickly they managed to do something for example because everyone does it at their own pace and that person who did it really quickly was probably also thinking oh I wish I was quicker like this person like there's no there's no yeah set time or order or whatever to do it in great thank you so much for your time thanks for having this me this has been wonderful and very inspirational oh, it was quite i feel like it's quite cathartic i feel like i've just sort of <laughs> spoken about all of these uh, different experiences and stuff we've had but it's yeah it's been great well we really appreciate you taking the time to chat to us today thanks for having me Thanks for joining us on the Make It Work podcast. You can follow us on at Make It Work Podcast UK on Instagram. You can also email us at Make It Work Podcast UK at gmail.com. We're a new podcast. We'd love to hear from you and hear what you think of the show. And if you'd like to have anyone special on the show, if, uh, if you think there are some topics we need to be covering that we're missing, we really want to hear your feedback. So please keep in touch and keep making it work.